0: To the shore. Welcome to Pod of Love. Wow. Our fun, fun. <laughs> God Go ahead. damn it. Go on. Our fun, funny, fun time. Uh huh. Actual play. Uh huh. Relationship podcast. Yep. I don't freaking know.
1: <laughs> oh, see, now the tables have turned. Where my
0: husband Ben and I play games. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we interview people now, which is kind of cool. Apparently. And. I don't remember the rest.
1: Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, answer questions. I don't remember what you usually say. Uh, I'm Ben.
0: I don't know. Who am I? Mel? I,
1: <laughs> I don't know, Mel. And this is our show, Pot of Love. And we are a part of the All Ports Open Podcast Network. So uh, we've got some exciting stuff to talk to you about. This episode is super exciting because we have for you uh, our... Are gr- I don't know what to say. A very special interview.
0: It's so special. Very
1: exciting, super special, spectacular interview.
0: I like that you said spectacular. From
1: PAX Unplugged twenty eighteen, coming to you live from the future, the past actually. Also then to your ears. Probably, it, probably, unless you're
0: deaf and then you're reading this. Oh,
1: we don't think we even do transcripts. <laughs> can you, can so, do way that? to throw some of the bus. Yeah, you can. And
0: wow, we suck.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> let's hope we don't. Oh, my goodness. This, this episode is off the rails. Uh, we have an amazing I feel like interview. You say that. We're so, so excited free. to give you this amazing interview with the creator of the game we love, Fog of Love. Yeah. Jacob Jaskov, none other than the one and only creator of Fog of Love.
0: Um, I just want to kind of drop this in there for a little bit of street cred in the board game world. Okay.
1: I don't. Think, Let's hear your street cred. I don't.
0: I don't think we recorded this part, but I definitely made dinner reservations for Jacob Jaskov and his crew.
1: Oh yeah, Jacob. If you're listening, to this, I really you got to let us know if you enjoyed uh, going to dinner at um, PJ, Clark's. P.J. Clark's, which is a restaurant my dad uh, built. I want to say, but I don't know what. Manage the building of? I don't know what term you use for that, but PJ Clark's is an amazing restaurant in Philadelphia. It's at uh, right right next to City Hall, Philadelphia. Supervised? Uh, Six and Walnut. I get, he, but he wasn't the supervisor. He's a
0: project manager. Yeah, your dad was the project manager during the construction of PJ Clark's.
1: It Doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Uh, anyway, uh, Jacob. Apparently,
0: nothing. If does you today.
1: enjoyed the the dinner, let us know. But uh, I hope you listener enjoy this interview with Jacob. If if you didn't get a chance to check it out, make sure you go back to our last episode and listen to our interview with Nikki Valens. Which which we put the entirety of in one episode that was also from pax unplugged this time with jacob we found a little corner uh on the like above floor like in the food um, food court yeah like actually it was a closed bar we sort of found a corner and uh oh special shout out to kevin gallagher of everything is awesome podcast kevin
0: is awesome for a
1: few reasons but one of them is that he made this recording possible and uh Grabbed this recording for us and then sent it to us. So, thanks, Kevin, for that. And Thank you. So, yeah, we hope you love this interview as much as we loved it. was an amazing day for us. Um, and it was like a out of body experience interviewing Jacob. Is that how you put it? Did I would- you die? Well, no, I didn't. Did you watch
0: yourself die?
1: Maybe. And now I'm a
0: ghost. Oh, we brought the ghost back. So we
1: have uh, an important announcement also that we need to make right here at the top of the episode before we jump into the interview. And that is that we are, Pot of Love, is doing its first ever live episode. Woo! Not live in that there are crowds behind us, like on this week's and last time, uh, but like an actual recording in front of a live audience who Ooh. has chosen to sit and watch us do our thing for some reason that we can't fathom.
0: The audience might not all be alive.
1: We, there will be ghosts. There will be ghosts. We promise you, listener, if you come to our live show, there will be ghosts. So
0: Can you make that promise?
1: I just did. So our live show will be at Thirsty Dice in Philadelphia. That's at 17th and Fairmount. On January 27th, it's a Sunday afternoon.
0: Three days before my birthday, that's I accept true. donations and oh, you can buy me a drink. Oh,
1: it's a birthday live show for you. That's Yay. so exciting. Can we'll I have to... do
0: something obnoxious, like wear a crown?
1: I don't. That's not that obnoxious. Can you sure, make wear me a, a
0: D20 crown? Oh well, my God, please. probably. Like a tiara that, that every like point is a D, a different dice, a different D. That's <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> about wow. uh I'm talking I, about die
1: so i'm mel i'm not gonna make you a penis crown
0: i don't want that
1: and then also uh that seems like a high bar you just set for me for your birthday making you a d20 crown but I it guess doesn't we'll all have to be d20
0: there could be a happens. d6 and a d4 and a d8 and a d12 a percentage dice we're going on a at, d100 could be right there in the middle
1: we're going on at 1:25 p.m. at Thirsty Dice. That's in Philadelphia at 17 and Fairmount. And then this is really important. This is part of the Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival. And so this is actually like a four-venue location festival in Philadelphia Comedy Festival. Uh, You can go to Tattooed Moms that day for uh, acts like Mike A Agenda, amazing podcast. Doom Thugs from Delco. Everything is Awesome will be there. Uh, You can go to South Street Cinema for some other great shows. Um, You can go to Milk Boy in South Street. Again, also a great lineup over there. And then the best lineup of... Of all I have to say, I'm a little biased, Thirsty Dice. Now, at noon, I am going to be on the Refugees of Esmeralda uh, podcast live there um, at Thirsty Dice. And then Mel and I will be going on for Pot of Love. Uh, and that's going to be followed by other great acts like Full Belly Laughs, A Quest for Magic and Steel, Heart Points, our friends of our heart points, and Party Hi. of One Pod. Woo, um, Jeff Stormer. Hosted by none other than and Jeff Stormer.
0: I think now is the time to drop the amazing thing you did today.
1: <laughs> we did it. Thanks to Mel and I today, uh, listeners. We pushed uh, Jeff's Patreon for 2019 over the line to uh, the amount that he needed for his goal of promising all of us to go to the Olive Garden, performing his official, unofficial, unofficial official Olive Garden LARP, playing it, not performing it, but playing it there at the Olive Garden, and then reporting back to us, the internet, and the wide world of how it goes. And I'm so excited that we helped Yay! make that happen, push that over the edge. But the most, imp- that's the second, that's the, that's the biggest news in Jeff Stormer news uh, right now that happened this week. But the second biggest one is worth mentioning as a shout-out to Jeff. Um, because, Mel, did you know that his other podcast, All My Fancy Children, is now a part of the One Shot Network?
0: I did know that, which so- is extremely exciting. It
1: is. So,
0: what uh, kind of accent was that?
1: Last thing, folks, don't forget, we also have a Patreon. It's 2019. You may want to use uh, your new-, new Year's resolution to support Facebook. Uh, friends and listen, uh, creators out there, um, you know, shows that you listen to. Like us. And like us. And so you can do that patreon.com slash all ports open. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into the first half of this interview with uh, Jacob Chaskoff, and we'll catch you on the other side. Woo! Oh.
0: Welcome to Pod of Love. This is our most exciting episode because we are sitting at a table at PAX Unplugged with the creator of Fog of Love, Mr. Jacob Jaskov, who has graciously agreed to allow us to interview him and Ben and I are just a little bit starstruck. <laughs> That's right,
2: exactly. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. I'm starstruck because I think you have Aww. amazing. For thank me you. It's like, wow. Thank, thank, you. thank you for, for saying for so. welcoming
1: me. And thank you for making such an amazing game. And Absolutely. That we've gotten so much joy out of mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah.
0: we know your time's limited, so we're just going to jump right in with the questions, if that's okay with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So, we spoke with Nikki Valens yesterday and that was so fun and so exciting and I'm so happy that she's uh, part of your team now. Mm-hmm. Um, my first question, my burning question is, how did you get into game design?
2: How I did it? So, that's a good question. So. I, I was uh, playing a lot of games in the 90s when I was a teenager and uh, uh, young. Um, I, I played a lot of role playing games mostly, and I, I love to. I'm part of a community that is extremely active in designing uh, single shot role playing scenarios. Cool. Uh, and it's extremely creative, and I was part of that. And I, so I was always like, okay, create new uh, stories that's interesting. Um I also played board games, but board games in the nineties weren't that good. Um, <laughs> they were okay, and I liked that, but that wasn't really the the key thing for me right Then I stopped playing for many years uh, because uh, suddenly everything in my life in the nineties was about games. I played games and role playing games six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Wow, so I was like. Every day, and cool. sometimes like two different uh, campaigns in a single day. Awesome. So I've done I've, some campaigns I've played for seven or eight years. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so that's it was a big thing, a part of my life. Then I stopped because I, I, I just thought I didn't want to be just a geek, and I was <laughs> everything in my life was about being geek. <laughs> so I quit and I, I moved town because I shifted my, I, I changed my uh, education to something else. Okay. I started philosophy before and then I started political science. and okay. moved to Copenhagen, okay, uh, and wanted to start afresh. sometimes basically, move city, uh, new education, uh, new me, uh, and that uh, that meant also quitting games. Mm. Uh, and that was okay. I had a lot of, I got a lot of new friends. Uh, I still retained my old friends, but uh, but basically. Started a new life and that was fine. Um, then uh, I did some. Uh, I still. Wa- I was interested in games. Uh, so, so part of uh, there's some kids <laughs> crying. That's okay. Uh, that's facts. That's facts. That's okay. Um, so, I I dev- I was. I had the opportunity to develop some learning games. Oh, cool. um, because I was part of the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies, uh, and they knew that I loved games, uh, and we got a job about creating a learning game about science, uh, and I think, thought that was interesting. So I, yeah. I, I took that No, project. this is very interesting. So I, I took a project, and then we developed a learning game where the students had to develop uh, uh, artificial intelligences wow. uh, that were going to Mars. So, oh. w- so how do you create an artificial intelligence that could go to Mars? So we, helped, so we gave the students a lot of information about how Artificial Intelligence works and what kind of uh, principles there are and they should then choose uh, what to do and basically go through it, uh, this design process of, of designing an Artificial Intelligence. This was a big success in mm-hmm. many ways. We really cracked some nuts about how to do learning games. and uh, That was great and based on that i got a new project where i designed a learning game together again the same group and, and some more people we designed a learning game for schools about uh, where people uh, where the students played uh, crime scene investigators oh. uh, and used uh, math uh, for like uh, figuring out ballistics or uh, probability for uh, fingerprints uh, matches or they used chemistry for for gun residue and they used uh, language skills in order to analyze uh, in, uh, interviews with suspects and witnesses. Wow! Uh, so we did this game, and that was a, a huge success. It was played cool. in twenty-five percent of all Danish schools for That's ten years. That's so cool! Wow! So, so that, that has been a part of like a whole generation of Danish students. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody in Denmark has played this. Mm-hmm. Wow! Uh, so that that was a learning game based on role-playing games. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's like no equivalent here.
0: No, all. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go on a tangent because I'm a school principal yeah. and we in America are doing it wrong. Yeah, right. And I've known yeah. that for <laughs> exactly, a long time. Yeah. But what you just said, like it hits the nail on the head. It's a game and it's fun, but you're using math for ballistics, yes. chemistry. Yes. It's so, so important. You're, you're
2: using real subjects and, and the students could identify with being crime scene investigators. They thought it was fun. Yeah. It, 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 the game takes a week to play. Wow. Uh, so each day they are like new things they discover. And right. then the last day they have the trial uh-huh. where they need to present the evidence and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and in, a, in a fictional court. Uh, during this week, the students, uh, they skipped breaks. So initially, the teachers were uh, they were confused about the game. They thought that it was wrong because the students didn't take the breaks. They, they would rather <laughs> play the game uh, rather than eat lunch or wow. go for a break. Uh, and we had some PhD students following this um, and they had documented that this is actually much more efficient learning than anything else they are doing. Yeah. So this has been a huge success we also tried to, to take it into the us and to uk it didn't work because it's the educational systems are so difficult yes to work with yes uh, they are <laughs> and if it doesn't fit strictly with the curriculum mm-hmm. they wouldn't take it so we actually couldn't uh, internationalize this project
0: that's a shame
2: so but i did that so that was also an, uh, part of my learning and how to do games in a, on a wider scale and then I didn't do more for some years uh, and basically didn't play games. Mm. So, so seven years ago, I started playing again. Six years ago, I started playing again with some of my friends. Uh, I lacked that part of my life. I, I, I really missed that. Um, and I was so amazed by all these new board games. Mm-hmm. There was, it was, I was really like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, because I played these yeah, old-fashioned games in the 90s. And now all these new Euros and stuff. They, they can do ga- things with games I could not even imagine. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is so fun and so great. And uh, I was earning quite well. So I thought, okay, I, I bought a lot of games. Because that I could do that now. <laughs> and I took a lot of games with me home to my, for my wife to cool. play with her. And she was like, okay, initially. But then... Well, uh, not <laughs> yeah, just, it wasn't that uh, she was not so enthused with that because they were like very similar in some ways. So, she, so for example, when we watch uh, romantic, uh, we want well, when we watch TV, uh, we have Netflix. So I I'd always choose action movies or sci-fi, and then she chooses rom-coms or drama, and it's fine for both of us because we can go back and forth, and we enjoy that. But for games it was always on my terms, mm. initially it was fun for her, mm-hmm. but then next time it's again on my terms, and next time again right. on my terms. And even then when we go out to the big shops and look for new games, they were all made for people like me, mm-hmm. not for her. So I thought, okay, it could be interesting to create a game for her. And at the same time, this community I'm part of, this, there's a convention in Denmark called Festival that I'm part of. and, and they made all these fantastic role-playing games and now they began to, uh, people began to make uh, board games for this convention. Mm. So this community I'm part of, they, they began to design board games and I was like, okay, this is interesting, you can do that. I didn't know mm. you could actually design your own game. Um, that sounds intriguing. And then uh, I had this experience with my wife and then there was this competition announced at, for this uh, convention festival. About new games, and I thought, okay, perhaps I, I need to have an external motivator to do stuff because I'm not good at just doing stuff on my own. But if <laughs> I have a deadline, yeah, I probably everybody knows that. Yep. that kind of feeling. If you have an external deadline, it's much easier to do work. Yep. So I I, I signed up for this competition. I said, okay, I want to create a game, <laughs> um, and of course, this should be a game for my wife, but also then for this competition mm-hmm. because then I have some kind of structure to follow right. and I didn't know how to design a board game I had designed role playing games and I, want, I knew I wanted to create a game that is storytelling oriented because that's what I like uh, and I'm part of this, this tradition of creating these strong storytelling t- driven games but I also wanted to create a board game and see how that works so I figured out how, how can I gamify and, and create put structure into some of these interactions that are, that are in a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And also something that is, would be interesting for my wife, of course, uh, and, and she was very mu- she's very much into rom-coms. So I thought, okay, that, that, I want to do something about that. And I didn't know so much about rom-coms. Uh, but then I, I do what I always do. I, I do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I studied how rom-coms work read <laughs> a few thousand pages about rom-coms <laughs> <laughs> I read about love how that works yeah um, and yeah. I, I'm I'm always geeking out when I'm doing new stuff mm-hmm. and I think that's fun yeah I love to to do something that is robust and grounded so this way I I just try to figure out okay what what could be interesting mechanisms and uh, drivers for a game uh, and and learn from everything I'm reading but then also testing and because I have never done a game before, I didn't know exactly how, what is the most efficient way of designing a game. Um, so I, I didn't have experience with that, but I have experience in designing other stuff. Because so mm-hmm. I work with design and innovation for a lot of other things. So I'm, I'm quite good at designing new novel experiences, novel things in an efficient way, but not necessarily games. Okay. So I used this methodology I have from Design Thinking that's cool,
1: that just design in general, you just yes. use the principles in yes. design. Yes,
2: so I use the general principles of design, so big of course research and understanding uh, the subject matter in a deep way, but also understanding the experience and how to convey the experience and test, 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 test and test again, <laughs> and initially... It was just a huge mess of interactions. Mm-hmm. And that was okay for me because I, can, I designed experiences first and foremost. Not a game, but experiences. So testing what gives interesting experiences. For example, this is about the simultaneous choices on a card. This is a basic experience in Fog of Love. Um, this was one of the cards I tested, one of the types of experiences. I have had, a lot of, had a lot of other experiences I tested. These fell flat. But whenever people had these simultaneous choices on a card, they, they laughed. So, uh, so I could see, okay, this is a very good basic component, basic interaction I could yeah. work with. And I could, of course, build new scenes and have a structure on that. Uh, then I knew, of course, I need to have a, uh, a dramatic curve in a game, and a dramatic curve that fits in, uh, with how romantic comedies are. Mm-hmm. So how could I do that? Uh, and again, I, then I, I learned from Dead of Winter, for example, where you have different decks and yeah, other games with yeah. draw decks. Uh, so if you have, if you structure that in this way, you can structure the flow of the game and uh, and and have like a, a dramatic finale and a climax in the end of the game. So that was also how I, lo- I, lo- I basically I build up the game with a lot of different pieces of experiences and and try to make them fit and and, and fit a coherent whole and then the game grew out of these iterations so so i think it's a very different approach from most other game designers who yeah. have like an idea in the head yeah. and they follow through on this i didn't have this idea i just knew i wanted to create some experiences that are in in a direction and then i wanted to understand how these experiences feel and, and how can i convey these experiences that's also the same approach i'm then using for my uh, new games because I wanted to create a game about some midlife crisis. So hmm. what is the experience there? Wow! Uh, wow! Sounds and amazing. how can you convey that?
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, that's exciting. A midlife experience game, huh? How far yeah. away? In d- how far into development is that?
2: So. It's it's just uh, beginning, but I know I have a deadline in uh, in uh, April because I have just signed up for this festival <laughs> again. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so again, this is this will drive my uh, my go. work. You need a deadline. Yeah, <laughs> I need a deadline. And that's, uh, that's, need just that's just how it is, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so it's so fascinating to get to hear your whole story because I'm just not surprised that you started with role playing games. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we play Fog of Love as if it's a role yes. game. Yes, mm-hmm. that's how I play it. I think we treat it as like. A a, a role playing game with a lot of pieces. Yes. It really is, though. And, um, you know, for our purposes, it works that way the better. It's interesting because you see some people play it very much board game. Like (laughs) a bunch of people in the demo hall, in the expo hall here play, you know, not a lot of like, that role play interaction. Yes. And then other people, they like get really into these characters and stuff. But yes. So it's not not surprised to hear that that was your background was role-playing games. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I, initially when we when I did Fuck of Love, I thought about, okay, should we call it a board game or a role-playing game? So I signed up for this board game competition. So in this sense, it was a board game. Yeah. <laughs> but when we also then started, okay, now I need to market it and uh, put it on Kickstarter, for example. Mm-hmm. So what do I call this? Uh, because it's both. Right. It it is and, both. I, and I chose to call it a board game because... And did that just uh, say commercial choice uh, commercial decision yeah. because yeah. Yeah. board games sell <laughs> better than role playing games and, and they feel yeah. more approachable and easy to to, yeah. uh, to uh, dive into while role playing games are more uh, for a niche a niche audience and I, I didn't want to have a niche audience I right. wanted to go broad with this yeah. so by yeah. calling this a board game it feels more safe
0: yeah Yep. Uh,
2: and we tested that with a lot of different people because we also tested that. Mm-hmm. And we could see that, yeah, they felt more safe and that they felt this is, I can do a board game, but a role playing game, oh. This feels more difficult and more deep. And I, I right. am not a role-playing gamer, so right. not for me. Right, right.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good gateway game for people like to teach someone. Yep. like mm-hmm. They don't know they're playing a role-playing game. Yes. No, they are yeah. playing a board game, and yeah. then they find out, like, you know, maybe they'll, lear- they'll learn how to get into yes. role-playing yeah, games. Yeah, and they
2: don't need to know. And then for right. me, it's not important what we call this. It's important that you have good experience. Mm-hmm. Experiences. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's the important part uh, to give people these good experiences and th- that they can cherish and value and learn from mm-hmm. and th- and then they can build on that. Right. I'm also
1: not surprised that the core sort of mechanic that you learned early on was going to be the core of the game that like it was that, I just thought of it in a different way when you were describing it, the, the cards and making a simultaneous choice. Yes. That really is sort of the what pulls you into mm-hmm. that game? Yes, I just never really reflected on it in that way. But like having to read the card together, you laugh a little bit yes. together, yep. and then you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this choice." And what's the other person have? I don't know. Yeah. And that's the core experience of that game. That's the and core. Then, yes. Yeah.
2: And then the, when people then choose the same thing, high five on the table. <laughs> yeah. And when I saw people playing this initially, and the first high five just on the table and just people yes we did we chose the same thing <laughs> and I was like and, and when I was playing I had the same feeling yes we chose the same thing yep. and you just feel so happy that yes. you chose the same thing and that's, that's nice yeah. that's yeah. such a good thing and I, so I, I like this kind of experience and that's also why I like uh, other games that have this and I think for example The Mind which I love uh, is, is a game that has this kind of shared mind reading experience right. you try to understand each other uh and I, I like this kind of uh, shared uh thought process
0: yeah and i think that's one of the things we talk about a lot is like well the first thing that that really resonated with me was like learning to play it as a story like tell Mm -hmm. not play a game but tell a story and once i let go of trying to like win the game that's when i started having more fun and i felt like we started telling better stories Mm -hmm. but (coughs) excuse me it's also like like, what is the other person thinking? What are they going to say? Like, you might know your partner that you're playing with really well, but you yeah. have no idea what their character is going to do yeah. because you don't know what traits they've picked. Yeah. And Ben says all the time how it's a lot like real life when you first get into a relationship. Like, you don't, you see what, what people present with, but you don't know what those underlying traits mm-hmm. are. And that's such a genius, like, mechanism mm. of the game.
2: Yeah. <coughs> yes, it's about yeah, getting to know each other and, 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 and Coming more more and more, creating synchronicity Mm -hmm. among people. That's really what the game is about. Yeah, creating this sense of synchronicity, and these new expansions that are released have much more of that. The paranormal romance probably the most. So when you play that, you will see if if you really uh, dive into it. This is about synchronicity Mm -hmm. in a deep, deep sense.
0: We really it, need to play I it. I know. We haven't actually played any of the expansions
2: yeah.
1: yet, which is crazy because we played the base game like a billion times.
0: <laughs> well, Christmas is coming up. <laughs> hey, Ben. What? Hey, Ben.
1: Uh, I'm nervous. What?
0: I'm looking at this catalog. Uh-huh. And this thing is called a shambong.
1: What's a shambong?
0: Well, uh, it the package says rapid champagne consumption. <laughs> so I believe <laughs> based on... You- Based on this picture and the fact that it says rapid champagne consumption, it is a bong for champagne. You've got to be kidding me! And the line in the catalog where you can order it from says a champagne bong. Because why not?
1: Is it really say because yeah. why not?
0: Yeah, right. See, there's even a uh, question mark and an exclamation mark. Pot of love brought to you by champagne shambong. Try again. <laughs> Pot of love.
1: Oh yeah, I gotta I gotta get this copyright because they're not gonna give us the money if I don't get the copyright. So let me try that again. Okay. Here's a clean take. Pot of Love is brought to you by Shambong. Shambong. Because why not?
0: Because why not? That's
1: pretty good. Shambong, reach out to us with your corporate sponsorship money. Yes. What catalog is that?
0: Paper Source. Okay. Well. They uh, have to sponsor us now, too. We said their name.
1: I really hope you enjoyed listening to this amazing first half of this interview with Jacob Jaskoff, creator of Fog of Love. Don't forget, we interviewed Nikki Valens, who is uh, the creator of the expansion for Fog of Love that's coming out soon. Uh, that's in our last episode before this one, so go back and check our feed. Subscribe to us on iTunes, write reviews there. We need more reviews on iTunes, like seriously. So New Year's Resolution 2019, write more reviews of podcasts. It helps podcast creators a great deal. If you haven't done it and you're listening to this, please, please, please go to iTunes and write a review. We only have like six ratings, and we only have like two or three reviews, and we really could use uh, your help with those reviews.
0: I think people are just smart and have Android phones.
1: Well, that's very possible. You can find us on Android. You can find us on Spotify. You can use RSS to find us also. All that's out there. You can find us on Twitter at Pot of Love. I almost said different podcasts that I'm a part of by accident, out of habit. Uh, you know who's shouting out for us? As always, huge shout out to Greg, Loring, Albright, Woo! great friend of the show. Greg, going Greg, on Greg, Twitter Greg, And Greg. responding to people saying, hey, what's a new podcast I should listen to this year? And what are your favorite podcasts that people aren't listening to? And... Shouting out Pod of Love,
0: Greg. I'm hugging you from where I am right now to where you are right now. Saying
1: nice things like for many example, high fives. Uh, saying nice things like, "Oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it right now." Saying nice things like, Pod of Love is an actual play podcast where they only play relationship and dating games. Hosts are super lovely and fun.
0: Host is.
1: Did you like my um, Greg impression there?
0: Oh, that was an impression not of really. Greg. I was just reading my. You sound nothing like him.
1: That was my Twitter sensual voice.
0: I feel like you need to copyright the phrase Twitter sensual voice. I was going
1: to say, I should have queued up, like, good tweets to read in my Twitter sensual voice. (laughs) Best of Twitter 2018. Use your
0: sensual voice to talk about Shambong. Why not?
1: Mel, this is our first episode. (laughs) This ends our first episode of 2018. Nope. Nope. Nope, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It ends our first episode of, of 2019. And so we're coming up eventually. I don't know what the date is on our... Our show's one-year anniversary.
0: I thought you were about to tell me our actual wedding anniversary and you forgot the date. That's like we just talked about. I know when
1: our actual wedding anniversary date is. I'm talking about our showversary. What's
0: our showversary?
1: I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up so we can make sure we celebrate it.
0: Oh, yeah. We should get a (laughs) (laughs) shambong.
1: we're in between seasons folks this is like not season two it's like in between it's like season 1.5 1.75 uh we're in between seasons we've got great stuff planned down the line i think we're gonna have some in between season play too like not just like interviews and stuff um i guess we might as well talk about it on the show because if anyone's still listening to us at this point then they're hardcore fans so we might as well drop them some sneak peeks
0: uh, I like, think, like the goblin sex noises? This is
1: what I want to do for our next episode, Mel. I want us to uh, play a hardcore mode of Fog of Love oh. um, and have that be an in-between season thing. Okay. For those who don't know, h- hardcore mode of Fog of Love is where you play. Set
0: the game board on fire.
1: It's where you play yourselves. So,
0: oh, there's no fire?
1: So I would create, I would find the attributes that are most mostly align with who I think I am as Ben Wallace in real life. Mel will do the same thing. And then you play the game as the game. You don't play your actual story. You play the game as the game, but you do it as yourselves. It's called hardcore mode because it's really asking for problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we're going to try to do that.
0: Is this your way of asking me for a divorce? Oh, my gosh, no.
1: That's horrifying. (laughs) No, what a horrible thing to say on our love podcast. This podcast is all about love.
0: And I love you, which is why maybe <laughs> maybe we should reconsider.
1: Nah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. We're doing it just for you, listeners. And if you appreciate that, you can you can support our show financially by supporting the All Ports Open podcast, net, podcast network. We have a Patreon, www.allports – nope, that's our website, allportsopen.com. It's patreon.com slash allportsopen. That's patreon.com slash open where you can sponsor all the great shows that we do like Refugees of Esmeralda and No Avatars Allowed that's another podcast I'm on and PDB10 and Pod of Love This Podcast
0: Pod of Love This Podcast and
1: future podcasts that are Ooh, coming the to the All Ports Open network like whatever Blaine's new horror podcast is called I can never remember the name Who's Blaine? So if you want to sponsor any of those shows and more you can go over to patreon.com slash All ports open. Hey, Ben. Yes, Mel?
0: Where can people email us if they want to ask us questions for us to read and answer on the air?
1: That would be podoflove at gmail.com. One more time? That would be, I said, Uh Uh podoflove at Uh Uh gmail.com.
0: One more game. Podoflove at (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: gmail.com. You got real fancy with that one. Well, you ask me to do it every time.
0: Yes, I do.
1: And it, uh, I just am running out of things to do and say.
0: Oh. All right, so I
1: think that's it we have for our first episode. This is how we chose to start 2019 on this show. I
0: mean, it's pretty apropos. Is that the right word?
1: Definitely, but also pretty epic because it was our interview with Jacob Chaskov, creator epic. of Fog of Love. So thank you, Jacob, for coming on our show and taking us seriously, even though this is what we do. And we love you, and we're so grateful to you for both making the game that we love so much and has given us so much joy in our lives and given us this podcast and Brought us closer together as a married couple. Thank you, Jacob, very much, and I hope everyone out there will buy his game. Go buy Fog of Love if you haven't. There Fog
0: of Love, really
1: good, great cover for you to love. buy. So
0: Fog of Love, make sure
1: you do that. All right, I don't have anything else left. How about you?
0: World and
1: Nell forgot how she will. ends.
0: No, no I didn't. We love you, but we got to go. We'll be the one who sails across takes me safely to the shore